Welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and come and do it again for the last time via Skype, Roy. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas! Yeah, this so time- we thought we thought we would drop a little surprise in here and release our Brandios episode. Yeah. This is for you guys putting it up with us and our tomfoolery on here. Uh, you know, the interviews are great, and, and they're rad, but... It's really this Brandio show because they do they they take over for an hour, and we just kind of get in a little bit to just kind of ask a few questions that go on because they just those two guys are fantastic. You know, it, it's funny. I um when I was at the meetings, I mentioned to Andy Liebram and Andy Halbram, excuse me. I'm like, you have to do a segment on these guys. It's a local company. They're from San Diego. They went to high. You know, they built the company out of high school. And you have to do an interview with them because they were just so cool. And I ended up seeing them over at the Hilton, you know, going back and forth to the meetings. And they're just like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, nothing. I got to go. I got to go meet this guy. You know, they're like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, I'm going to meet this guy. I got to talk to this guy. And they're like, yeah, fantastic story. The chicken story is insane. Oh, my God. The story about the the Kevin Brown effigy um, pinata. Oh, my God. Uh I was rolling. Those guys are hilarious. And they've got to be two of the most popular people at the winter meetings. I mean, yeah. They knew everybody. They know every general manager, every owner, everybody there, because they've done so much work across all of minor league baseball. And so I, I kind of built it up in my head that this is going to – I really wanted to talk to them. I love the logos and the mascots and all the stuff that they do. So when you build something up in your mind, it often falls flat. And it was so the opposite of that. It went above and beyond anything I could have expected. We had so much fun with these guys. Well, I, I had so many. Qu- I had a whole page full of questions, and it was like he kept taking a mic from me because we had two mics. And I said this before in the other episode, like I gave one mic, and it's Casey. Casey's like, I don't talk a lot. Casey did most of the talking. Yeah. <laughs> but then Jason would grab the microphone from me and go, "Okay, here's how it went down," and they would just play off each other, and I just it, it's. It stands alone as the funnest, raddest interview that we've done from, you know, from just, a, just, they knocked it out of the park and we did nothing. Did, did, there you, even ask, did you even ask any of the questions off your sheet? No, like the very beginning and that was it. <laughs> yeah, because it just it just took off and it went off on its own yeah. thread, and it was great because we touched on every aspect of their business and where they came from and all this. is it's just so much fun. So everybody enjoy. This is Merry Christmas to you all. Merry Christmas. Here's Brandios. Well, we're here at the winter meetings at the Hilton. God, beautiful Hilton Bayfront Hotel with the boys from Brandios. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. I mean, it's so great to have the winter meetings in your hometown. Dude, I right? mean, so many times we have to travel around the country. We're visiting, you know, we're, we're down in Orlando, we're down in Nashville, and the idea that we get to wake up and go to the winter meetings in our own backyard is like the greatest part of the winter meetings coming to San Diego. You can just walk here from your office, right? You're there at I Liberty mean, we, Station. So we're in Liberty Station uh, in the old Naval Training Center, and uh, we're in uh, Great Barracks 15, 
And uh, yeah, it's cool. Like right down the street, it's so fun to be here. And um, yeah, I, I'm I couldn't be happier. So you got a pretty large operation there, Brandios, right? Uh, large operation. No, no. There are only two of us that come to the studio every day. We have a, a great um, freelance network of different specialists. You know, we really believe in hiring the best um, team members to be a part of our operation. So whether it's you know expert sculptors or um, you know folks that are just um, just experts in their craft, we like to bring them on the team. So we have a loose network around the country, and yeah, it's. Uh, we, but Casey and I come to the studio every day and uh it's fantastic so i guess we kind of skipped over what exactly you guys do you guys do logos branding marketing graphics that kind of thing right Can, what, what's kind of the scope of what brandios does well brandios has really become known for naming and doing the logos for minor league baseball teams so i think naming we've probably named 40 teams 30 teams 40 teams something like that and branded another 70 something so our uh, foundation of our business is minor league baseball, naming, logos, uniforms. But, you know, beyond that, our business heads into, you know, Nike is a major client, Mattel, Disney, we do all sorts of other stuff. We also do lots of um, theme nights. I mean, uh, ESPN now, you know, basically does a weekly show, you know, a little segment on our theme nights, which is unbelievable. We, we wouldn't have planned that. But, you know, they like you know they contact Jason and say, like, what crazy thing are you guys doing? And they feature it every week. So, so last time we spoke, you yeah. said something about a circus, that, oh, yeah. that there's the game going on on the field, but there's a circus happening off the field. That's right. So what's kind of the, the philosophy behind that? Yeah, so one of our favorite operators is Chuck Domino. He came out of uh, Reading, Pennsylvania, the Reading Fight and Fills, and he went on to lead the project for the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, the Richmond Flying Squirrels. Now, the Iron Pigs was the first team you named that was kind of unusual, right? Uh, well, the first name, name team we named ever was the Clearwater Threshers. I don't know if that's unusual. That I feel like that was a little like philosophically and like a typical legacy name. But the first crazy name, right, was the the, the Iron Pigs, right? So, so it's Chuck not Dom it's not just the name and the logo. It's also the promotions and stuff that goes on around it. Well, that's a major reason as to why we pick the names we do. I think people think we're only picking the names to be crazy and outlandish and provocative, but the truth is we pick it because it. Well, one of the number one reasons why we pick it is like, what does it? Does it inspire a larger experience? So a great example of this is the Hartford Yard Goats. And when we were coming up with the name for the Hartford Yard Goats, one of the other names was the Mantis. The Mantis. There's no other insects in sports. You could do this like cool, you could see the logo, it'd be so cool. But when it came to like theming the park, it's like, what are you gonna call the kids club, the larva? It's like, <laughs> It's like it's kind of like fizzles, right? It doesn't, it doesn't really inspire like a warm and fuzzy family experience. So, so that's a great example of like, does the, is the, the name is cool, the name is provocative, the right. name hits all these things that sort of Brandios is known for, but it doesn't give you the warm and fuzzy no sort experience. of aspect. No yep. fun experience, exactly. Well, and, and so yeah. if you go to the website, and listeners, I, I definitely urge you guys to go to the website because there's a freaking best website I've ever seen oh, for, for really anything. Because what, So what you see is you'll click on a link and it'll be like El Paso, and then they'll show the story behind how they came up with the Chihuahuas, or we like to call them Chihuahuas. The Chihuahuas. <laughs> right, I the love Chihuahuas. Um, and you'll see sketches of, of designs that didn't make it, uh, designs that were on their way. You can see the evolution of the design 
and the, through the story, and you'll have pictures of um, of parts of El Paso that kind of bring that story together, mm. and it's freaking phenomenal. And they do this Thank for you. every single uh, every single job that you guys do, every single brand you guys do, every single logo you guys do. My my question about um, the yard goats because my my brother in law lives uh, outside of Hartford. Um, whenever you do brand. You come up with a name or a logo. It is usually has something to do with the city. I mean, obviously, with El Paso being so close to the border, it's very easy to say, yeah, Chihuahuas, you know, it's a little dog. Um, what connection does a yard goat have with Connecticut? It's a great example. It's a great question. So um, Connecticut and Hartford is right between Boston and New York. And so one of the major issues that we ran into and the identity issues, like the deep-seated sort of problems, I, I think it permeated every part of what it meant to be from Connecticut, was this idea that we were pulled between these two identities, right? You were this small state located between these like very iconic locations. And that was manifested in who people rooted for. So, you know, the entire state is Divided between the Yankees and the Red Sox. My brother-in-law's so, a, a Red Sox fan. Yeah, grew right, up a Mets I'm, fan. But I'm sure his neighbor was a was a Yankees fan. Right, absolutely. So, so we wanted we needed something underdoggy, something that felt like was a metaphor for this in-between thing. So what we found was in the uh, the rail yards of Hartford, uh, we found this uh, little train. This little what do you even call it? This little yeah. It's it's like a it, it's a yard goat. It's, it's literally, called, it's a literally called a yard goat. Which which is a something else, but No, no, it's called a yard goat, yeah. which is literally a locomotive whose job is to stage trains to go into the big city, that's which right. the metaphor yeah. yeah, the metaphor of, you know, uh sort it's of the perfect metaphor for like Hartford. Baseball players and getting them ready for the big leagues. The other yeah. thing is during the focus groups, fans described uh, or locals I should say at the time described Hartford as small and temperamental and quarrelsome yeah. and uh, we we're like you know and bold and we're like man small temperamental quarrelsome bold like this is a goat like this is like yeah. these are terms that you use to describe yeah, yeah. a goat <laughs> right which is right which is the same sort of like met like metric that we use to judge like the chihuahuas yeah, we have the chihuahuan desert we have all this we have fierce and loyal and all these things that make El Paso great and Hartford is no different it's the same thing Fear yeah. the ears, baby. Fear so, the ears. <laughs> so how does that start? Do you guys like throw a bunch of words up on a whiteboard and start drawing lines <laughs> all over the place? Like, how do you do the whole word association and narrow that down to an animal or an image? Well, yeah, we start by having nothing. We we go in zen. We like clear our minds. We have, we you know we have we have like a we have a rule early on. We have a, a rule that like. Never come into a, 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 like a city with an I idea. I mean, a, a great example is like we were going to New Orleans. And I was like, we need a jersey that says Nolans, N-A-W-L-N-I-S. Right. And when we got there, they said, no, that's what outsiders yeah. who are not from New Orleans say about New Orleans. Like, there's this. This is like a terrible idea, mm-hmm. and we just we've learned never be presumptuous. It's, it, it's, if we ever did a team in Arizona, for instance, we're local San Diegans, we would be like, yo, you should have like a Zonies, a Zonies jersey. <laughs> But, yo, have you ever talked Bermuda to someone from Arizona? Right. No one, they have never heard the term Zonies. That is a San Diego. Right. It is a San like, Diego thing. You're, you're, a, you're an Arizona person coming to San Diego, like ruining Mission Beach. Sorry. Like, like, you're, like that is a Zonie. No, no one from Arizona. So we don't, we come in empty. We, we, we're all about the first day we just soak it all in. 
and we try to find weird little okay so you're like quirky interesting kind of weird things. quirky things and then we go deep diving we do we literally go to libraries we go to online we go whatever it takes to find those weird little stories well you guys said you're both in san diego what high school did you go to helix high school Woo! you know he looks I went to Helix High School too. So Casey and I have been best friends since kindergarten. That's we grew right. up a block away from each other. Did you guys go to La Mesa Junior High? We went to La Mesa Middle School. I went to La Mesa Middle School. Oh, oh shit, shit, nice. Are you serious? So so I'm a little bit older than you guys. Uh-huh. I grew up on Wait well, I lived my dad, I'm East County boy, born and raised East yeah. County. We lived on Wait Street. So now there's a bunch of houses on top of that hill, but there used to be not mm. houses on that hill. And there used to be a, a, a on Wade Street in between Massachusetts and that little funky turn we get yeah, on 94, yeah. there was a house there. And across the street was a um, was a police was a sheriff sub no, sheriff gas huh. station. So it wasn't a substation. The cops went there, got gas, and pulled out. Are you talking about Mount Nemo, like above Helix, like that? No, no. Way? This is this is right on the other side of uh, where Massachusetts and oh, Wade Street right. is where the 94 oh, right, is. Right. So I spent a year going to La Mesa Junior High. Um, mm-hmm. Jeff Hammersmith. Uh, was a big quarterback oh, back yeah. in the day, uh, and you know I was. We moved, and I was supposed to go to Helix, and we moved to El Cajon. Actually, and spending a time in Lakeside, but yeah. Okay, so let's let's get this back on topic. Okay, so you guys have been best friends since kindergarten. Lemon um, Avenue Elementary. I, I imagine you guys were not the best behaved kids growing up. You clearly have some personality. That's not true. So were you guys like were you guys like always doodling and stuff and all this. I was absolutely not the best behaved. <laughs> I was. In I Miss Larrabee's so, class, we had magic X's, which basically meant on day one of school, they put little X's on the ground, and our job was to sit on the magic X's because that's where we sit. And then they called them magic X's because on day two, they'd rip up the tape of the X they made, and you knew where to sit. Well, my magic X was outside of the door because I was, a uh, I was a troublemaker, and I got into trouble. I talked too much, too many antics, so... Um, uh, Casey, a little less uh, troublemaker. Yeah, I was a goody two shoes. Yeah. Okay, so how does that how does that evolve into a, a graphic design related business? Uh, well, the graphic design this is sort of we were both into drawing, both into art. Yeah. I had an amazing art teacher, Pat White at Helix, and he, well, my sophomore year, I was his TA, and he was like, "Okay, your job is to learn Adobe Illustrator." And then teach me. <laughs> and literally that is what, I mean, we make our living in Adobe Illustrator. So I owe him, I mean, everything when it comes to that. Now, but at the same time, I was the mascot at Helix. And uh, we had a mascot that it was, it's supposed to be a Scottish Terrier, but it looked like a donkey. It was a the terrible costume. costume. Yeah. I'm sorry, Helix fans. It looked like a donkey at the time. So, um, you know, we're also big Disney fans, having Disneyland in our backyard here in San Diego. So I was like, man, you know what would be really cool? What if we figured out the costume company who creates the characters for Disneyland, if they fabricated the mascot for Helix? Right. So we found the costume company, and Casey and I together designed a bunch new... Of merchandise. Yeah, a bunch of merchandise to raise like five grand at the time, selling T-shirts... And that's when Casey's expertise in learning Adobe Illustrator but came Jay, Jay in. Jay knew it too. I mean, we, we were just into art and all that stuff. Yeah, so yeah. we started, like, you know, designing the art, and then we created the T-shirts. We sold the T-shirts, raised enough money for the costume, and then we had, like, the, literally the studio that does the characters for Disneyland did the costumes. So do you want to know what the first Brandios project ever was? Yes, 
No wow. one knows this. Wow. We've we're, never talked this about is gonna this. This is going to be deep cut. This is the first Brandios project ever. It's We did the logo when we were in high school for Steel Canyon High School. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The first ever. So they we were. Did the font. We did everything. No, I don't think anyone knows that. I mean, it's. So we used, yeah. we used that work. We did a logo. My dad was a coach at El Cap, football coach. We did the logo for them. And we used that portfolio to get our first job in Yeah. So we wound up, like, yeah. fast forward. Um, Casey was at. Uh, Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, art school, yeah. an art school. I was at the University of Alabama on a mascot scholarship, and all the, I, big I, I, it's a it's this yeah. crazy story. Well, we were uh, in between that. We were yeah. the friar. Too. Yeah, we did the we were the friar at the San Diego Padres. Yeah, we what were the mean, What do you mean? What do you mean? We were you both? Did you like yeah. trade off? Who was the well, friar? Jason was the main performer. You're like seven foot. You're like seven foot. Jason. <laughs> Jay, like Jason's the main foot. performer. So we. So I don't. You don't know if you remember this, but. Um, okay, so after the World Series, hold on, let's back up. Let's back up. <laughs> people, they want to know. They want to know the story. Right, this is a so story. We were. Uh, I was. I was trying to get into college with a mascot highlight tape, um, and I. I thought, okay, well, I have this. You know, Scottish Terrier. Scotty was the character at Helix. I need. It would be great if we had some footage with me with the uh, the swinging friar at the time, and they wrote back and said in an email or the letter called me or something. We don't have any in this. Buddy in the suit. Would you like to be auditioned to be the friar? And now we were graduating high school. We had the summer just after graduation. It was 1998. And they said, would you like to come out and audition? Jason's being modest by leaving out his sort of legacy of performing at, as a Helix mascot. Oh, my goodness. The, 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 the chicken came and performed at Helix basketball games just to perform with Jason. All right. Because he was such a fixture on KUSI. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the prep skin pig. Okay, so anyway, so we got we got our job as the friar right out of high school, and it was and so. But Jason said, "I'll do it, but you have to hire my buddy, my buddy Casey." Like buddy he, Casey, he, we're creative my, partners. You yeah, got to be on board. Partners, yeah. Okay. So were you the friar wrangler? So I was the friar wrangler. I was also the prop master. I created. Um, Technically, you were the member of the pod squad, but you kind of were never, a little. I was never. I was never officially a member of the pod squad. Okay, I, I stand so, corrected. This, so this was 1998. No, you guys. This was 1998. All right, oh, no, this is this is now the Brandio show. So uh, <laughs> we have we have stolen both microphones. It is now the Brandio show. Yo, so okay, so we, so Jason got hired. We were the prop master. I was the prop master. Yep. Jason was the performer, and they basically said. We have two rules for you. Number one is give us all your receipts, and number two is don't get us fired. Yeah. Or, excuse me, don't get us sued. Don't get us sued. Yeah. Don't get us sued. Give us all your receipts and don't get us sued. Very broad, broad, uh, broad things. So that summer we had the time of the life. We just graduated yeah. high school. Oh, we had ATV. We could drive around Qualcomm. We could, oh, it was yeah. incredible. It was incredible. Yeah. And we yeah. got into. We did all kinds of crazy antics. Yeah, Jason like had like like. He would put like chicken wings like on like a, a fishing pole and fish into the dugout. We played the Marlins. Yeah, I built. I went to the, I went to a sex shop in like Hillcrest and bought like a, a blow up doll of a dude and like dressed him as Greg Maddox. And then Jason like jumped his like ATV off the like yeah. I jumped the ATV like, over the sex doll. And they were like people Greg were like Maddox this is like, that was awesome. People were like this is fantastic and it was great. And we would get you know little letters that would say like this is a Catholic icon like. You know, like how dare he's mooning people with his polka dotted boxers, and yeah. and at the time we had a great boss, Tim Young, oh, yeah, who's still great. a good friend of ours. And he I remember was, when I built that apparatus that shot green silly string out of the friar's nose, so it he could, was like, sneeze on fans. Okay, so here's how it worked. So 
we took the Friar costume, which was done by the same oh, yeah, costume same, studio our same as did yeah. our our, uh, our mascot for high school. And Casey got a um, what, what was it? it? Was like a um, it was. It was it was, a, it was a sprayer for, like, spray paint, like a trigger. It had a trigger on it. It was a trigger. You put on a spray paint I can. Attached, I attached a, a bike brake to it so that he, Jay could squeeze his belly on one side and sneeze. Oh, the fryer costume. And sneeze and it would, and it would The bike brake would grab the handle and squeeze the silly string. a couple of weeks in fryer history. And the snot would come out of, of the fryer costume. It was fantastic. So, it, so, so, we, so but, we went but, to the World Series. Yes. It was sick. That was the year we went to the Tom World Cruise Series. Tom Cruise was okay. there. I was yeah. dancing with like yeah, Luke yeah, yeah, Perry, yeah. R.I.P. on uh, yeah, yeah. the stands. It was great. Yeah. Like, then, so we went off to college. I yes. got a scholarship actually before I went to art school. I got a scholarship to play football at UCSD, or sorry, at uh, uh, UC Davis. And I went to uh, San, uh, UC Santa Barbara. Yeah. And then the next year, they were like, they brought we'll us back. fly you guys yeah, they flew on. Us, they flew us they in. They flew us in for every weekend. So yeah. for every weekend game, we were doing the mascot yeah, coming yeah. home from college. This is an in depth, you guys. This, this is, is the in depth, depth story. Nobody has Freddy's. heard this version of the story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, we, so Kevin Brown was coming back. And for those of you who are completely out of the loop and don't know the story, I'm drunk. But Kevin Brown came back. Kevin Brown. Kevin I'll, Brown signed for more money than anybody else for the Dodgers, our arch rival. And prior, he back. took us to the World Series. The World Series. Right. And so San Diegans right. were livid. That's right. We were so angry. And it's our philosophy, still our philosophy, that we should capture the zeitgeist of what it means to be a fan. Like, ultimate. That's the job of the mascot. We should try to encapsulate it. So, I came up with an idea. I was like, let's build a pinata, a life-size pinata, and fill it full of all the fake money we can fill. Now, to be clear, Casey's an artist. So, this is not any kind of pinata you would get at a pinata shop. This was an art school pinata. There was like, it was like Skin tone. I skin, got the skin tone right. Various skin tones. It was a very detailed pinata. It so was very tall. It was like seven foot, six was, foot. So he's six five. I, what do you mean? I know what how tight okay, he was. He's six five. <laughs> so we built this pinata and brought it to the ballpark. We were, we were, you know, we were beating him. It was amazing. I mean, and I don't know if you, were you there for that? Were you guys there? It was a cold, windy night in cold, Qualcomm. Windy, but you know what it really was? Is like people think like, oh, the World Series must have been crazy. Now the World Series is full of a bunch of corporate people from everywhere and Yankees fans. No, no, yeah. this was like true San fans. Diego fans. Like it was way louder than any Absolutely. World Series game. Yeah. So we, he, he, he's sucking. We're killing him. We're killing Kevin Brown. <laughs> and Tommy Lasorda, like, goes jogging out to the mound. Was Tommy the, the – I think he was. Maybe not. Whoever it was. Let's pretend this is Tommy a, Lasorda. Okay. So we were like, let's get, the, let's get the pinata. So we grabbed the pinata. Now, to, let me set it up. We went to my father's garage and got a tree trimming um, pole, which we used to raise a pinata. That's right. And Casey had the brilliant idea to score with, a, like, scissors or a knife. The I was worried that it might not – have the dramatic Yeah, we want to we want to make sure it breaks open. So Casey yeah. scored the belly of the Kevin mm-hmm. Brown piñata and we and we get, filled it full of I think we skimmed over this. We filled it full of $70 worth of fake money. Now $70 worth of fake money. I don't know if you know It's like a, a billion of money, dollars of fake money. <laughs> Big bills, little bills. I mean, All we, we went to the Mission money. Valley party city. We, we went, went to, to the, the Point Vista party city. Every party city. <laughs> um so I think if you go somewhere on YouTube, you can find some of those old clips of, of those shenanigans of, of the 
of yeah. the blow up. I could have swore I've seen the blow up doll before. But go on. <laughs> okay. So, um, so you cannot find the footage you're talking about, but we'll talk about that a little bit. Okay. So uh, we get in the concourse. I get up on the, the center. I'm standing on stands, the, you know, the old brown stands, and I throw my hand up in the sky with a big number one, and the crowd right there says, one! And then I throw up number two, and then more sections join in. Two! And then I put three, and more sections join in. Three! And I eight, take a baseball eight, bat, and eight, I eight. lay into the side of the scored pinata. The bottom breaks out on a cold, windy Qualcomm night, and money just billows yeah. like smoke throughout the stadium. One of my and only the crowd goes yeah, wild. Wait, one of my only memories was that dude running down the concourse, right? The first baseline concourse, which is so unusual. There's no first baseline concourses anywhere that long runway with like a leg with money billowing out of him like waving a leg and like money billowing out of us. Now, oh, if you go online, there is not footage. No. However, Casey and I were in a very unique circumstance. Yeah, we can't tell you why. We can't tell you the circumstance, <laughs> but somebody showed us a video yeah, of Vin Scully going, and Kevin Brown is being pulled, and uh, the friar of the San Diego Padres yeah. has beaten into a pinata, and they show the pinata being hoisted away. It is, uh, it's, it's me running up the concourse yeah, away as people were like, it is incredible footage of Vin yeah. Scully like, like narrating the pinata uh, situation. So, yeah, so long story short. Hold on. So we were like, we captured. Oh, yeah, we were like in heaven. We were, we were like, like oh, we captured what it meant it. to be a Padres yeah. fan. Peak, peak Friar mascot. Oh, and we're underneath the, like, the concourse. We're like high five. We're like, we did oh, it. Yeah. We did it. They come down on you. We, all we're, of a sudden on Casey's we, we radio. Fired. Jason. <laughs> Casey. Get up to our office right now. Yeah. And so we go up to the office, and um, and at the time they felt like we had been put up to it. Like they thought that somebody had like paid us money or yeah. coursed us. And we're like, no, 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 this is what you guys pay that's us a, that's to do. That's the story that we were told. I don't believe that, though, because they were also playing like money, money, money. Like, right, like, I want money. Yes. Yeah, we thought we had like we were all a coordinated oh. team. We were all just vibing and like getting the moment, but no. And it was so. Uh, we're, so we're like, well, they're like, all right, well, let's all go home. And Casey and I are loading the Casey's Ford F one fifty at the time. We're driving home. We're listening to like uh, you know sp the, the local sports radio. And Tony Gwynn gets on. Oh yeah, this is like my top ten life experiences. Is Tony Gwynn saying that the only time he's ever been distracted by someone something off the field was my pinata? He was like, there's a life size pinata, Kevin Brown. It only time distracted yeah, me. Yeah. And then the next morning, the cover of the sports section, the UT, says, Brown bashing Fryer deemed tasteless, which was, you know, like, and they interviewed, I mean, they interviewed, they interviewed, like, Trevor Hoffman, who was, who was always he so was always nice. A, he was always a cool, the best. He was dude. the best. Yeah, Trevor yeah. Hoffman's the best. He was yeah. so nice to us. But Tony like, was great, yeah. They're like, what do you think of this? And obviously he's going to say, like, you know, well, I don't know if I would have done that. But um, uh, long story short, they, yeah, they decided to, quote, part ways. <laughs> And um, next but, thing but actually, the funny sort of conclusion of the story, relevant to this very moment, is that Larry Lucchino and Charles Steinberg, the guys that fired us, they own twenty years they, later they own the Wooster Red Sox, who we just rebranded. <laughs> yeah, so so it's really funny. Twenty years later, the guys that fired us. So what's the name of the, what's the, name of the new team? Yeah, the Wu Sox. Uh, the Wu Sox. That's it. 
The Woostocks people, they really like that. Holy cow! So Donovan, what what questions you got on your on your Jesus, note sheet here? I, I, you, we just went off the rails. That was amazing. So I, I don't remember that. I was in high school. No, I just graduated high school in '97. So I don't know what I was. You know, I was distracted doing was, all kinds of other stuff that teenagers do, and I guess I wasn't paying attention to baseball at the moment. We were like set up because they were doing money, money, money. It was that was the theme. Like Kevin Rand is greedy, and we captured that moment too. But they're like, oh crap! Everyone didn't like that. Let's fire the two. Man, <laughs> well, what a way to go out on top. Okay, so you're done being the friar, and then you're going to UCSB, and then somehow you wind up transferring to Alabama, and you were the mascot there. Yeah, girlfriend. I went to uh, Santa Barbara for a girlfriend. Um, didn't work out. Uh, came back. Sure. Came back uh, to San Diego, uh, went to fabulous Cuyamaca College in East County, San Diego, um, and Casey, you did too, actually, came back from, uh, okay, so uh, you don't have to lie to kick it, uh, and then uh, Casey and I were in, a, we were in a weird time, we were trying to figure out, you know, like what we wanted to do with our lives, and um, Santa Barbara wasn't for me, and Casey went to, on a football scholarship to UC Davis, wasn't for him. And so at this time, uh, I got a mascot scholarship to be Big Al. I didn't know there was such a thing as a mascot scholarship. I didn't scholarship. know it either. But, like, you know, when they offer you a mascot scholarship. So I went to... Uh, okay, so what does Big Al look like? Big Al is a giant elephant um, that wears a red shirt with a big A on the front. Um, Not like A for adultery, though. Like no, no, letter. no. This is a family show. It's, it's a scarlet a shirt with a white letter. Yes, A for uh, Alabama. Um, I'd never been to the South. I didn't know anything about the South and uh, packed my bags and um, and went to the University of Alabama. Casey got um, uh, into uh, Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, prestigious art school. And, uh, yeah, about that time, I was getting to know the licensing director at the University of Alabama. And her job, Leanne Hogan at the time was her name, um, her job was to sort of police logos, you know, appropriate use, you know, uh, non-appropriate licensed, who's doing it legally, who's doing it illegally. And so she was like, man, you know what? You, you guys, the work you've done for high schools at the time looks a lot like you know, this company that we paid like $80,000 to do these Alabama logos. And, you know, as a young like college kid, like eighty grand for a project, that's a lot of money. So I think Casey and I thought, like, well, maybe we make a go at this. So we sent low, uh, letters to 150 minor league baseball teams at um, the, uh, the suggestion of, of, of Miss Hogan. She said, you know, there's a lot of minor league baseball teams. Why don't you reach out to them? Um and one team got back to us, the West Tennessee Diamond Jacks, and they said, if we like it, we'll buy it. And we spent the entire summer, we transformed my bedroom into a makeshift art studio in my parents' house, and, uh, and we birthed the Brandios. How about that? Okay, so I've noticed that your logos tend to have kind of a, there's a style to them. There's like, um, like the, the colors that you choose and the, the line thickness and just the, the kind of the, the scaling of everything. How did you come up with these conventions to, to make something that's simple when you see it in a small image, but it also looks good when you blow it up 20 feet? This is a great question because I, I think to a degree there's a practicality about it. So, for example, 100% practical. you know, like um, uh, uh, New Era is the official cap manufacturer for Major League Baseball and, and also Minor League Baseball. There's only so many threads 
that they carry. So you're to a degree limited to, and it's a lot of threads, probably a, a hundred different threads, but you know, you're limited to threads. The other thing too is embroidery. Everything that we do for embroidery, it has embroidery to- Embroidery is the most complicated application for all the work we do. And so it has to look good, first and foremost. It's the, the least forgiving. It's the least forgiving. So when, we, so when I got these shirts made, what cost the most was them to run the logo through the the the, the stitching. It's called to make a tape. To make a tape that cost more money than the damn shirt I paid for. Right. So our tapes. I mean, the, the logo you're pointing at is is some script in one color. And, and for the, the listeners at home, we're looking at the Friars on the Farm logo right, right now. Ours have like two, three colors, four colors, and our multiple layers, and we have stitch direction we dictate. So one of the like sort of seminal moments in Brandio's history was spending a week, like a couple weekdays in Buffalo, New York, sitting over the shoulder of some digitizers. At New Era Cap. At New Era Cap in Buffalo. And learning all the crazy stitches they could do because we realized at some point that like, yes, it doesn't matter what we create in our studios in San Diego, if, if it's not translated well by the people that you know, make the hats, then it doesn't matter. So we learned a lot about the limitations. We learned about raised thing. It, it, it changed. It all permanently yeah, altered I, all, all of our things. I think to a degree we started to look at embroidery less like logo design and more like yeah, sculpture. sculpture. That's right. Because you have yeah. now, I mean, it was like maybe 20 years ago, geez, where they started doing 3D logos, where like the Yankees logo became raised, the Padres logo became raised. Yeah. And the way that that works from a technical standpoint is – uh, anything that's flat, flush on a cap, they lay that down, that thread down first. But then what they do is they slide in a little piece of foam rubber, yeah. and the needle goes down and slices into that ro that rubber and goes back and forth and back and forth. Now what's happening is twofold. One is that needle is perforating, you know, sort of cutting that rubber, but it's also trapping the thread. So if you ever have a Padres hat, you take an X-Acto knife and you cut it, you're going to have probably either white or yeah, black foam, foam yeah, that pops out. Now, you know, so, so you think about that. The, the needle goes down. It traps the, you know, the SD, for example. It traps that SD, the foam, inside. Um, and then once it's trapped, you pull off the remaining exterior, and you have that, that 3D logo. Now, where it gets really crazy is <laughs> you start adding multiple layers of foam, and next thing you know, you have flat embroidery, you got a little bit more raised embroidery, like four or five and you don't see that in Major League Baseball, yeah. but in Minor League Baseball, we're doing all kinds of crazy layers of 3D where yeah. it's, it's like sculpture. Yeah, so I, think, so I think one criticism that's levied against Brandios is that our, our logos look kind of of the same style. And one of the – my sort of rebuke of that is – a, the 12-year-old the, the kid that's in Hartford doesn't know that, like, that it maybe shares the same style. Like, their logo, the yard goat, shares the same style as, like, a, a, a flying squirrel. And, like, so, you know, for a bunch of people that follow it close online, I understand the, like, idea, like, oh, come on, Brandios, like, come on, do something different. But and I, and I do feel like we try to do something different, but our ultimate goal is to, like, tell a story over I feel like we're storytellers over logo designers I used to like wring my hands a lot more early on about like oh we gotta have a new style Jay, Jay did too like we gotta like reinvent what does it mean to be like a minor league logo we used to like really like struggle with that sort of philosophy now we don't anymore and I think it's because we realize 
that there is a minor league style actually, and yeah. maybe we've helped contribute to that look. But it's it's a narrative style. It's a Major League Baseball shares it too. I mean, the swinging fry logo is a part of that. Well, absolutely, and, and and with that comes the fun, comes the individuality, comes something to get behind. It's like I want to root for the goat, you know? Yeah, and it's on you, uh, right? The sod poodles, um, the logo, the ruckus yeah. logo is done. It's very intricate. It's very uh, detailed, but. It's basic. And right, it's just, like, right, yeah. It just pops. Oh, thanks. You know, Ruckus, I, we're big fans of Ruckus. Obviously, we're big fans of Ruckus because we're a Pottery <laughs> Minor League podcast. But seeing that, you know, you're like he tilts his hat and you, he has his boot up and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> you know, it's, it <laughs> looks good. That whole identity is one of my favorite we've ever done because I think it strikes the right balance between a sort of iconic simplicity with, like, the minor league style, that energy, storytelling, narrative that you need. Yeah, detail. So... The Chihuahuas, I, when they when that name first got announced, I think there wasn't a universal positive acceptance of that. There was not. What what kind of uh, can you tell us a couple of stories about like times that something came out and you were maybe cringing before it came out, or you had a weird response after it did? Yeah, I mean, okay, so to give the background of El Paso, you know, here we go to a community and we we do a lot of focus groups when we do our trips, and. Over and over, they said, hey, you know, we're feisty, we're fiercely loyal, we're a town that likes to celebrate and party, we're, we're family-oriented, and we don't get respect from the rest of Texas. Like, we're shit on by the rest of Texas, we don't, they just don't care about us. And we, we take a lot from the rest of Texas, and, um, and we thought a lot about that. You know, obviously, they were in the Chihuahuan Desert, and we were like, okay, feisty, fiercely loyal, underdog, we're in the Chihuahuan Desert. The, the Chihuahuas brand made sense and and i think when we were developing the logos we f we felt like man all of that shade that gets thrown at el paso it would be inauthentic for us not to somehow represent that we take a licking and keep on ticking so to speak and so um casey had this brilliant idea of putting a scar through the eye of the chihuahua and you know, we had versions of one scar and two scar. We had like an Oakland Raiders or Las Vegas Raiders. With a one of the ideas is like, can we come up with like a minor league Raiders logo? Yeah, that was kind of Casey's idea. <laughs> so uh, we had an eye patch version. Crossbones is a great sort of uh, thing that came out of that. And so, and there was a big debate for a long time, which was like, why are we going to show there's a scar? And it was because we can't. I think it's a disservice to the community and it's inauthentic to say we're going to polish this off like it's this one big hero concept. It's like, no, let's let's represent El Paso the way that El Paso well, well, one of the is things known. We, one of the pro, like sort of challenges we run into is these small towns want to be respected on the like on a big league level. And so they're like, okay, well, we want to be respected. We need a big league logo. And the right, truth right. is that if you give a big league logo, everyone ignores it. So it doesn't give you the respect. So what it requires is to stir the pot, to do something crazy. And so this is you very counterintuitive. about controversy when it comes to El Paso, we've never gotten more hate mail. I mean, we got four-letter emails, like, yeah. F you guys, like, yeah. this and is I, awful. And, which is great. But it's, not your, but it's not your fault. I mean, the... What do you mean? It's totally our fault. Right. Well, but the team has to agree with it, right? Like, team well, Yeah, they had approved it, but it's our idea, and we pushed it, and they were really nervous. Yeah, and I think to also coattail on what Casey was saying is that as an ownership group, kind of, you know, if you have to think, get in the mind of an owner, there's, there's two things you're concerned about, and as a community as well. 
number one, don't embarrass us. And number two, legitimize us. Right. And the idea is if we do something conservative, like the New York Yankees logo, that somehow that will like legitimize us and it will you know, uh, not embarrass us. And the idea of sort of naming your team the Chihuahuas, like instinctually you'll think that will embarrass us and that will not legitimize us. But the actual sort of ironic part about it is when everybody in America is like, oh, you're the Chihuahuas? Like, oh, you're from El Paso? That not only legitimizes you, but it doesn't yeah. embarrass you because everybody's talking about your brand. Yeah, so another one of those like sort of favorite life-defining moments, like the Tony Gwynn being distracted, was I came and gave a talk when El Paso brought their Chamber of Commerce to Petco. Uh, they all came to they all came to San Diego, and I gave a talk at Petco about the process. And a woman came up and was like, "I just want to thank you for what you did." I, my kids were born and raised in El Paso, and I went to drop them off. I went to drop my son off at UT, at University of Texas, and he had a Chihuahua shirt on. And everyone in his dorm was like, oh, shit, like, Chihuahuas, dope, uh. that's so awesome. <laughs> and he was like, and he felt proud to be from El Paso, yeah. like, in a way that, like, I, he wouldn't have otherwise. And now they came back to El Paso, and he, she was like, tears in her eyes she was like i i don't know if my kids would come back to el paso if they weren't proud to be from el paso and she was like i consider that moment to be sort of of a sem seminal moment of being like oh, el paso's cool like yeah that was pretty awesome so uh, so with with the minor league thing do you so do cities like i know the el paso has a football club now do you do other sports or do other cities uh, other franchises in the same city go like oh we'll get the Bandios to do our I think Amarillo has a hockey, like a minor league hockey team, or they have like a, a semi-professional team. Yeah, I think um, one of the trends we're starting to see now is minor league baseball owners buying minor league uh, soccer teams, particularly the USL, which is the fastest growing uh, soccer organization in developmental soccer. And um, it's a pretty logical case. You know, when the team, the baseball team is away, we get soccer at home. We get a completely new audience. We get to use the same staff. We get to use the same resources. There's an economy of scale. So from a business perspective, it's great. So we get a lot of our minor league baseball um, partners saying, hey, we're thinking about buying a USL club. Would you guys like to work on that? So we are doing a lot more in soccer. Um, absolutely the fastest growing minor league. I shouldn't say minor league. They, they don't like that. The, the fastest growing developmental sports league in the United States at this time. Fantastic. So I lived in Sacramento for a while. They've got the River Cats. Was that one of your projects by chance? Okay. No, it was okay. not us. This is actually okay. before our time. It's before our time, yeah. Okay, so a story that I heard, though, was that when they were working up the project, they actually chose the name River Rats because there's the American River runs right through the middle of Sacramento. I, I love that name. And so they loved the name, and then they started getting to the point where they're coming up with branding ideas and all of this, and they looked at it and went, wait, this doesn't quite work. And so then they shifted to River Cats because they like the, the way that the sound of it and everything, and it's, it's wanted to become a successful brand for them. Have you had anything like that where you have an idea and you're like right there at the 11th hour and there's something that makes you kind of change directions oh man we've had a lot of that yeah yeah i mean and i uh we've had a lot of i mean i'll be candid about it we've had a lot of great ideas that centered around the team named monkey you know like grease monkeys sea monkeys um the racial aspect yeah i mean you know we we 
you know, as creative guys, we're like, oh man, like we could do like, you know, the uh, sea monkeys. It's appealing, right? Or like have like, you know, you know, the banana hammocks in the outfield was a great idea we had, and we and we had all gr- like really fun minor league ideas and um, a lot of like, you know, what you can do with bananas and monkeys. It's fun. It can be fun, but um, you know, it's not a good idea in the sense that. You're going to have some asshole who's going to take a photo of an African-American player with the word monkey across the chest. It's not, it's not okay. It's just not okay. And a lot of times, um, that we've, 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 as much as from a creative standpoint it looks good, it's just it's not a good idea. It's a bad idea. It's always been just a no-go. So and do you guys okay. have like a list of names that you've kind of cordoned off that this like, stuff is hey, off hey, limits for now? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's never that way. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of it is we just, we, we, we go, okay, what can we do with this? And then once we get to a point, we said, okay, now that we've had a lot of fun coming up with these ideas, can we, let's, let's start and sort of, like, are there any mind hole, you know, like minefields that we, we should be aware of? And, uh, and let's second guess ourselves because let's not just get caught up in the creative uh, aspect of it all. So when you get to that stage of it, do you have, like, four, six, eight different des- ideas, and you're kind of th- spitballing uh, what, what, what works yeah, and what doesn't? Yeah, I mean, generally when we come up with ideas, there's usually a front runner that everybody gets excited about. Maybe one or two ideas, three ideas. I would say there's usually competing three, three, two, three, four ideas. Weigh in. Yeah, I would say generally there's, there's little fractions within the the management group, three, four ideas that people people have their favorites. Um, well, well, there's we, a fan vote. We have a fan input. And we do, and we do take that seriously. Yeah, the fan input they, is very important. It's always very clear that the, that the fan vote is not selecting the team, but but we do look at that, and it, it is serious. Yeah, yeah. We take it seriously. And then we we think about like, is it marketable? Like, what type of experience? So, for example, like the El Paso Chihuahuas, like you know, the barking lot and the woof top deck, and like all these fun like yeah. dog, you know. We have the dog pound, but, yeah. But we also know we also know that we sort of know the score now. We sort of it's a little predictable, like how the narrative, the media narrative, is going to go. But the club has to shoulder a lot of the of the criticism in a way we don't. Yeah, they got to so, have thick skin. So we have a lot of empathy for their brave bravery, basically. Yeah, like so you know I understand that if a team like the. Wooster Red Sox want to go more traditional because it's like I get it, man. I get that. There's like a real strategy to that versus sod poodles. That's the triple A for the, the triple new triple A for the Red new triple A for the Red Sox. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So the the Wooster Red Wooster is a, a gritty town uh, in Massachusetts. It is. It is. Yeah. It's it's yeah it's gritty. Um, they describe themselves as survivors. They they've done a lot of great stuff. They come a lot of innovation. Um, gosh, man, there's some really great inventions I remember that or not remember that came from Worcester. But it, but they yeah, the smiley face the smiley face there, was the, was uh, there. Um, but one of the things is they don't the smiley is yeah. But but it's it's a town that doesn't. You know, it kind of does its job, and it doesn't need a lot of accolades for the work it's done. And so, um, you know, naturally, when they were in Pawtucket, they were the Paw Sox. And when they relocated to Worcester, they were the Woo Sox, people started calling them. 
And over time, we said, okay, well, they're the Woo Sox, and let's figure out a way to celebrate this idea of calling the Woo Sox. And, you know, when, you know, to sort of get into this, sort of, we try to figure out, like, well, what does Woo Sox mean? Is Woo Sox a, um, a shorthand for Wooster Red Sox, which it is, or is Woo Sox its own noun in which Woo stands for something and then socks is socks, right? So there's a smiley. We're looking at the logo. If everybody who's listening is like, you know, if you're driving, don't don't crash don't crash the car if you're driving. Pull over and Google Wooster Red Sox. But um, that was that was really hard. This is kind of where uh, this is kind of where the community almost drove that logo, right? Yeah, I think that's a fair categorization. I think there was a lot of expectation, and also the club isn't going to play there for a few years, and there's been a lot of energy put behind it already. You know, and with with Boston, if they when they drive it, like they will, if they're hunting for you, they'll shut the town down and find you, right? Yeah. So having them name their own team is, uh, you know, it's kind of like the way but Boston th- kind of flies. I think it's style, though, is really or what it is. Like, what what style do you have a tolerance for? Do you want to go crazy? Do you want to be a sea unicorns like the Norwich? The team we just unveiled and, like, you know, go nuts? Or do you want to do something super traditional? We, we, we support it all. So was that a case where the proximity and the density of Red Sox fans that are there, they wanted to retain a connection to the parent team? I think it's more of a management style choice. Okay, that's a fair Yeah, fair so, uh, yeah. Honest, I honestly believe, I, I think that every time I feel like, oh, we can't go crazier than what we've just done, we go crazier and people eat it, laugh it up even more. So I don't even know. I don't even know. I just think that everyone wants to have fun, and minor league baseball is a great excuse yeah. to be silly and fun. And like the world is so serious and dark and sad and, and complicated at times. And this is an opportunity to not be that and just be fun. And okay, so what we couldn't end this interview without having to talk about artists that we have in. Uh, so for the larger community in the online community of Padres Twitter, we have several artists that um, that just love you guys, and uh, several of them would nice. love to work with you. I had to name one that did our logo. He did. Um, Tony Lasoya is on on Twitter. It's, it's a great he currently worked for New Era. He's designed a few hats for those guys. Um, a local artist. Um, he just loves you guys. So I just wanted to give a shout out, maybe a plug for Tony Lasoya. Nice. Good good work, Tony. If somebody wanted to get into the line of work that you guys are doing, I'm not saying somebody open up a competing design firm or whatever, but if they wanted to try to follow your path or whatever, do you have any recommendations? It sounds like you guys kind of figured your own way out. Almost you stumbled into it. Yeah, we we completely figured it out on our own. We've never worked. It's our only job other than the Padres. Yeah, I mean, um, we're always looking for freelancers is is one answer. Okay. People can always email their portfolio to us. Um, but yeah, if I had to say, you know, we, we would also, we would love for some new up and comer to come in with some fresh ideas and challenge our way of thinking, you know, we've been at this for 20 years now and I feel like, shit, man, there's gotta be some new perspective that we're missing that we're not seeing. So it'd be cool if someone came in hot with something new. So I mean, my recommendation would be honestly that no one is hiring a design firm because the designs are good. Like... I think you have to be a good designer in order to have like any sort of longevity or execution or anything. But ultimately, people don't hire because of design. They hire because of story and because of relationships and because of expertise that you're bringing to it. That's what gets you work. 
like you know there are more talented designers than us there are probably more talented storytellers than us but i think the reason why we've had such a, an impact on this industry is because we've been able to put it together in a unique way um not that we're like great at one thing over anything so else. you guys don't just do logos you also do fonts so oh, yeah. with the Padres, they just did a, a redesign, but really when you look at it, it was very minor tweaks to the typeface of what they do. You guys do that kind of work, and I understand you've you've had an opportunity to do some major league work. I'm not asking you to cite out specific examples, but how different is it doing that kind of work versus the like the crazy brand naming? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, typography is so important because particularly like if you have a billboard, right, and you have six seconds to see a billboard and you're screaming down the highway and you see tickets on sale now, if you recognize that font as being associated with that team, you don't even need to see the logo. And you're like, oh, that's only could be blank, you know? And I think that that's the power of typography. So we take it very seriously. Um, we look at typography as an opportunity to tell a story. So... Um, you know, and there's a lot of references. Like Casey mentioned, the Norwich Sea Unicorns, which got unveiled recently. We looked at old steamships and boats that called Norwich Harbor home, and looked at the fonts on the side of those boats. Hartford Yard Goats. That Hartford font Yard is Goats. By the the rail company, the rail the, company. the, the uh, New York New Haven Railway. Um, we took that right from the railway, defunct, but we brought that lettering style in. And yeah, we've done a lot of fonts for Major League Baseball. We we created the Cincinnati Reds font. Um, before we were came in, they had like a very generic sort of co collegiate block font. And yeah, so we we're always yeah. we're always um, looking at type as a way to tell a story. Type type is a, an amazing, exciting way to tell a story. Yeah, I always look forward to that. Every club we do has a unique font. Very important to us, yeah. Smoking like a true designer, like type is that's just that sells <laughs> the world. Well, hey, I, we, you know, we I, we really want to thank you guys coming. Oh, thank um, you. We wanted to talk to you last season, and, and you were gracious to say, "Yeah, let's get together," and then just never happened. Uh, and then we, uh, it, you know, we record at night, but you guys don't want to do this stuff at night when you're at well, home. We're, we're free at night. You, you know what I mean? So it never. <laughs> He's, he's giving a grimace. He's got three he's, kids. Right. He's always looking happy for an excuse. It's, it's okay. You know, so um, having it done here at the winter meetings, having it this, uh, you know, out here in the back of the freaking Hilton Bayfront, um, and having you guys have a few beers in yeah. to really bring the story out was fantastic. Oh, yeah. So do we guys, we can't thank you enough. Well, and thank you. And there's anything yeah. we can do as a, as a podcast, um, yeah. we'll do it for you guys. I really appreciate the time. That's very sweet, yeah. And we, we're, we're available anytime. We're like, we're just... We're in Liberty Station. Come, come, come holler at us. <laughs> I think Is there a showroom? Is there a showroom? No, but it's our office. Just come <laughs> see it. You know, yeah, literally, literally, people pop their heads in. And I need to come by because I imagine that your office is like somewhere between an art, like an art museum and then <laughs> like a Jackson Pollock painting or something, <laughs> where it's just stuff thrown up all over the I place. Would say it's, yeah, the, you, 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 guys, you guys would love it. it we're, all, we're always down to give a tour. Just email us. Um, come on in. It's hats you've never even heard of are in there. We have like samples that never got made. We have we have uh, we have twenty sketchbooks packed with twenty years worth of drawings. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right here on Friars on the Farm. <laughs> if the Friars on the Farm community wants to get together, if you guys want to organize it, we will do Hell a yeah. private tour oh, yeah. around the studio. We will show some never been seen before 
deep cut we have sketches. crazy stuff that we can't even say on yes i can't i we cannot say so on air stuff. things that we've done we would be happy to provide uh the fryer on the farm community uh if you guys want to come out and and we'll do a tour bring everybody out show them some deep cut stuff we will uh you know put everybody's cell phones in plastic baggies and uh <laughs> we will everybody will sworn in secrecy we'll show some cool stuff so we would we'd be happy to organize that all right do that. that'd be awesome thank you guys so much take care